Welcome to part two of Butterfly Blessings. You just got to feel smart with that music. I know it's week two, but I'm just like, wow. So wake up, everybody. Pinch the person next to you. Do something. And uh, we're going to talk to you about the uh, blessing of Sabbath and slowing down. And uh, how many are glad that Becca agreed to do this whole series with you? Come on, clap your hands. Yes, I'm back. And he... He, he failed to tell me when he told me I was speaking with him on Butterfly Blessings that it was a three-week series. You know, I'm like, okay, I can do one, I can do one, and it's three weeks, so She's you have doing to bear good. with me for two her. more weeks. Yes, I owe her. Um, just want to let you know, if you do hear us cough, we are battling bronchitis, both are, went into the doctor. We like and, to share and, in our uh, house. We're getting um, treatment for it. Yes, uh, we're on drugs. We don't have, we don't. <laughs> good drugs, good drugs, medicine. <laughs> I'm not liable for anything she says. <laughs> okay. Um, but we don't have whooping cough, which is good, which that is going around. And uh, people were terrified after. only babies could get that. They do, but adults get it too. It's just bad for babies. Oh. And, and uh, we don't have it, and we're good. People were like, uh, we're worried about you, Pastor. Maybe you have whooping cough. You'll get us all infected this weekend. So if we cough on you, it's only bronchitis. Don't worry. <laughs> right. So we're talking about slowing down. Uh, putting margin in our life. Last week, we looked at the Sabbath, that the Sabbath was created pre-Ten Commandments, that really when God created the earth, he put a Sabbath in place. And there's a lot of symbolism there. There's some amazing stuff that we're going to look at next week with Hebrews chapter 4, looking at Jesus being the fulfillment of the Sabbath, and it's good stuff. But this week, we're looking at rest and margin, and it's real practical teaching on how to get the rest and the margin in your life. And we ended last week with Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, and I'd love to start up with that again this week. Yeah, it was a great verse. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I love that last line, keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And how many know that it doesn't feel like we're living freely and lightly in this society? Um, do you realize that in, in 1967, uh, a Senate subcommittee, they were talking about what will people do with all their time in the future? They said the work week by 1985 will probably only be 22 hours, and people have so much time for free time. How many know that didn't happen, right? And, but it, there's all these technological advances. There's all these things. We have uh, better education. We have be computers. Our homes are better. Our food is better. Our immunizations are better. All these things are better, and yet all these things are, are speeding up life, and it doesn't seem like life is getting better. It seems instead we're getting stressed out, and it seems like we have new problems that have come on the scene. And the older generations had to worry about things like disease and famine and even dying in childbirth. But we've kind of replaced these dangers with, you know, our medicine and technology with more stress. And they're just, it seems like there has to be a better way because we are controlled by our technology and even our greed of always wanting more and getting more. So um, when it comes to your quiet time, since we're talking about slowing down and having that quiet time with God, when it comes to your quiet time, I wonder if some of you have a story somewhat like this one. I set aside time to be alone with God, but before I get started, I should just check my email so I won't have any unwanted distractions. 
Oh, 32 new messages. Oh, my inbox is overflowing. I should probably reply to at least a few of them right now. Okay, six emails. Oh, I really need to answer that one. Okay, seven emails down. Oh, I just got some invitations on Facebook. Oh, these are easy to clear out. I can just click through those quickly. Oh, ooh, I have more notifications. Oh, it looks like Stacy posted her vacation photos. I've got to look just at those quickly. Um, oh my gosh, I have five new posts. Wow, I, didn't I just check these just a few minutes ago? I know this is my prayer time, but I really should get these things taken care of so that I can really concentrate on the word. Okay, it's really, it's time to buckle down. I have to find some solitude here. Let me just check the time and make sure on my iPhone, oh my gosh, it's been an hour. Oh my gosh, I have three voicemails. How did I get three voicemails? I didn't even hear the phone ring. I better check, maybe it's my boss calling. That'd be kind of rude though, because it's Sunday and I told her not to call me because I'm spending time in devotions and in church on Sunday. Um, but no, it wasn't her. It was just a buddy asking me if I got an email. Okay, I really need to spend some quality time with the Lord. Just, I'll just check my, che check my text real quick. How many can identify with that? Yeah, all that technology that's there that's supposed to help you. You know, you have your Bible on your computer or your iPad or whatever, and you have all the commentaries loaded in there, and then you sit down with it, and it opens up all that other stuff. And pretty soon all that other stuff creeps in to your time with the Lord. You're here trying to spend a day with the Lord or time with the Lord, and what's supposed to be good that's supposed to help you so that you didn't have to carry that heavy Bible around, all of a sudden, next thing you know, that technology is opening up all these distractions. And pretty soon, you know, you're, you're checking, like she said, the iPhone and the other thing, and next thing you know, you're like, oh, well, what a great hour with the Lord, and you never even talked to him. You never even spent time with them. And it, it just happens because all these things just creep in on us and I think the church is guilty, not just our church, but the church in general, of being in love with the technology and being slaves to the technology, if you will. It's interesting because we've traveled and been in Muslim countries, and they will call out five times a day, and you'll hear it over the loudspeakers, and you'll hear it go out, and they will all stop what they're doing, and they will bow, and they will turn and face towards Mecca, and they will stop and pray five times a day. And yet, I'm convinced that the church stops five times a day to check our smartphones. We check our smartphones. Oh, Instagram. Oh, uh, Twitter. Oh, this. And I'm all for that. I want, I do that. I, I tweet. I do Instagram. I love it when people follow me from the church. And I'm for that. But I think about it. How many times a day do I check that and update it? How many times do we do that instead of saying, Lord, I'll give you a little time today? I'll stop in the busyness of what I have. Let me put some margin back in my life. And I think if the people of Islam can stop, why can't we stop and worship Jesus Christ during the day? We need to slow down. And uh, we need to rest, and we need to rest for the right reasons. And so we're going to look at that today. And it's interesting. Not only does the Bible support a Sabbath, not only does the Bible talk about resting and being still and knowing that he's God, not only does it talk and give some principles that we're going to look at as far as resting, but I found this in the Star Tribune. How many know it's a miracle if I found something in the Star Tribune that supports the local church, all right? <laughs> Love the Star Tribune. But anyways, it says this, the brain is a machine that needs downtime. Psychologists, ministers, scientists, and even politicians are urging a revival of the ancient concept of Sabbath. They said it's not just permission, it's a commandment. It's the commandment people most frequently blow off. 
It's the one that Scripture explicitly refers to more than the other nine commandments combined. Religion aside, psychologists and neurobiologists are learning that if the Sabbath didn't exist, it would be more necessary than ever to invent it today. Now, just stop for just a minute. What if, now we know there's symbolism, we're going to look at this, but God created the Sabbath, and what if when he did it, he's like, wow, they're going to really need that in 2012. Wow, they're really going to need that in the future. The attack of the enemy is going to be to speed things up so fast for them to get so distracted, to be so noisy, to be so distracted that if they don't slow down, they're going to miss out on what life's really about. And God knew it way back then and put it in place for us now. What a gift that he have been putting in advance for us. And scientists are saying now, we need it. And it was saying that we can actually flood the brain with too much activity. And the part that gives us our solutions, the part that makes us smart, can actually start to shut down. You think, well, I'll work more. I'll work longer hours and then I'll get my answer, and they've proven that it actually goes against what your brain wants to do. Your brain says, I'll get smarter if you slow down. How many know you have great ideas taking a hot shower? How many know what I'm talking about, right? You're just slowing down, all of a sudden you're like, the solution comes to you because your brain's like, slowing down, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're smart again. So Some of you need to take a long, hot shower. All right, get smarter. All right. But anyways, it's a great uh, thing that the, the, the world is proving to be true about a Sabbath and rest. Some of you say, I can't rest. I'm too important. My job's too important. I can't. If I rest, things won't go on. Matter of fact, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and the doctors told him to go on a six month sabbatical, and he said, I can't. Who will take care of things? What will happen? I said, listen, you have a lot of friends. They'll step in. Your church is great. They'll step in. He's like, I can't do it. I'll go crazy if I don't keep going. Listen, if God could rest on the Sabbath and the world didn't crash, you can rest. The world's not going to crash, okay? (laughs) And so you think, well, I can't. Hey, the role you play, dad, son, daughter, wife, spouse, boss, worker, whatever role that is, it's not more important than God, okay? So you can take a rest, and we've got to learn how to rest. Think about it. You know, we we multitask all the time. We say we can't set this down. We can't stop. Think about it. How many of you want your surgeon, if you're having a surgery, to be multitasking? I mean, like Instagram, get a load of this appendix, you know. (laughs) Send it out, get it to all their followers. I don't want that. I want them focused. I want them focused. And God wants you focused. God wants you fully rested So when you fulfill the roles that he's called you to fulfill, you are fully rested and you're able to do them the way that God has called you to do them. Now a problem for all of us type A people that are here, and I admit I'm type A, I'm go, go, go. There's a system or a symptom called eustress, and it's the stress that's good. It's stress that makes you come alive. It's stress that makes you hit your deadline. And how many know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden, the deadline comes, and it's, it's four hours away, and you just start rolling. And sometimes when I get in that world, I, 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 just, I can feel the adrenaline going, and I like it. 
and, and I'm going faster. Are you going to say something? You look like yes, you want Yes, because that's you on Saturday afternoon. You're getting the rhythm, but it's like an hour before service, which isn't very good for me because we have no time to practice. And I'm just like getting in this, and I'm, the closer the deadline gets, the more alive I'm getting. And all the things I've been thinking about all week are just percolating. And she's like, no, this is not good. You know, and I, I like love to it. be done like a couple days ahead of time so you can practice. And I'm like, it's 4 o'clock. And he's like, I'm just getting into the groove. I'm right there. So anyways, that's a lot of you stress. Now, the problem is, <laughs> it's not you stress, it's you stress. Anyways, you stress okay. me. All right. Problem is, <laughs> it hurts your marriage. No, I just kidding. Problem is, is that you get used to this. And if you live in this world too often, it turns into hyper stress. And doctors have proven that hyperstress starts to premature your cells um, and you start looking older than you actually are because the stress starts to weigh on you. All of a sudden, it hurts your immune system. And I got to be honest, many times when I get sick, it's because I'm going too fast. And it's almost as if God says, you're going to slow down. You have no choice. You will slow down. And all of a sudden, my immune system, I can just feel it going down. And I get sick, and I slow down again. And if that doesn't work, they say that it hits your heart, and you have uh, problems with your heart. You are prone to a heart attack if you live in the world of hyperstress. So God knew what he was doing when he said you needed rest. God knew what he was saying when there were principles of the Sabbath and rest. And because of stress and just the speed and a lot of times just our inability to say no to things, um, we don't slow down. And we end up saying yes to the unimportant things and no to the important things. So that's what we have to work on. And we become overloaded a lot. I think in our society, we're so overloaded. Um, there's activity overload where we just fill up our calendar with so many activities, whether it's ours or our kids. There's like not a free night. We, so we try to get <clears throat> church activities out months in advance to people because we know that people start to book their activities and they can't make certain events. So even we're aware that there's this activity overload. There's choice overload. We have so many choices in our society. And back in 1980, if you were to walk into a grocery store, there would have been about 12,000 items that you could choose from. And today we have over 30,000 items in our grocery stores. So we just have so many choices everywhere. Um, we have commitment overload. We have debt overload. How many know that? We get so far in debt that it just kind of strangles us and it becomes an anchor. And that's why we do the class here, Financial Peace University, because it helps you get out of that debt and free yourself from that. Um, we have fatigue overload, which there's a statistic that 54% of people that go on vacation come back even more fatigued than when they left. That's me. Because they go, 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 go on vacation too. So um, We once got to Disney and uh, we, we got there so early because the book said get there early. And we were there so early. We the were park, the very first people at Disney World. The, the first car in the parking lot, 7 a.m. They didn't even open until like 9. And we I, were there at 7. Yeah, I asked the guy cleaning the park. I said, when do they let us in? He goes, when the park opens, dude. So, so I've learned to slow down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> we have information overload. We have media overload. How many know the newspapers and even on TV, we have hundreds and hundreds of channels on the internet. We could surf the internet for days and, and there's just so much out there. Um, people overload. This is a big one for me because I'm an introvert and so 
we can go, I have, I've had to expand my introvertedness so much over the years because obviously we're with people a lot. But if, if we go maybe a week or maybe we're at a conference where we're with people from morning until night, there, it might be like three, four days in a row and I'll just be, oh my gosh, I'm so people overload. I just need a day. I just want to go lock myself in the bedroom and be by myself. So we, there's a lot of people that are like that. With people overload, you have so many friends. There's Facebook. I mean, how many of you feel like it's hard to keep up with all the social um, sites that you're on, like Facebook and Twitter and all that? Like for me, if I go on Facebook like twice a week, I'm good. I'm just, because I'm not that social of a person. So, but I know there's people, on, I mean, like every hour they're, they're posting something. I think that's got to be a lot of work and a lot of time. So um, we have possession overload. Our closets are full. Our houses are so full that now we need to start renting storage units, right? To put all of our stuff that we can't fit into our house. And uh, there's over 58,000 self-storage units now, um, mostly since the 1980s because we've just been accumulating so much stuff. There's technology overload. Yeah, they've said that we have to learn in an average lifetime now to operate 20,000 pieces of technology. Think about your car and all the technology in there and the smartphones and all the things that you're doing. And we're starting to get overload where you almost need classes just to learn how to do your technology. And so there's all this overload, and I think it's because we don't know better um, or we feel it's our duty, and we almost wear it as a badge of honor. How many know that? It's like, how are you doing? Busy, so busy, so busy, so busy. And people are like, good for you, you're busy, you know? And it's like, why is that a badge of honor, you know? I mean, have you ever talked to somebody like, oh, just slowing down, really enjoying life? You'd look at them like they're weird. But, and then the other thing is we follow the leader because everybody else is going fast, we go fast. And Jim Elliott, he was the missionary that lost his life uh, in Peru. And he was the one that said, you know, he's no fool who loses what he can't keep to gain what he can't lose. He said, if I were the enemy... I would make noise and hurry my attack plan. He said, that's what I would do. I would make noise and hurry my attack plan so I could get the church so noisy and so worried about being going, going, going that they'd never spend time with God. It's time for us to get rest and margin back into our lives. And there are some principles. Not only do we have the Sabbath like we looked at the first week, but also, if you have your Bibles, Leviticus chapter 25, it's probably a chapter you don't read that much, but there's a principle here that God is setting about work and rest. And in Leviticus chapter 25, God sp speaks to Moses. It says, God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. Speak to the people of Israel. Tell them when you enter the land which I'm going to give you, the land will observe a Sabbath to God. The land was going to observe a Sabbath. Sow your fields, prune your vineyards, and take in your harvest for six years. But the seventh year, the land will take a Sabbath of complete and total rest, a Sabbath to God. You will not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Don't reap what grows of itself. Don't harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land gets a year of complete and total rest. God knew that if we keep going, 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 the nutrients would be drained out of the earth, and the earth itself needed a Sabbath. It needed a resting. It needed a replenishing that was happening. And there's a great principle there. Uh, six years of working the fields and one year of rest. It's a rotation. We have six days in creation and a day of rest. 
Yeah, that seems to be the rhythm, just that six to one rhythm. And Jesus even had that rhythm. And it says in Mark 6, verse 30 through 32, the apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all that they had done and taught. Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. So they got in the boat and went off to a remote place by themselves. So we need to also get into that rhythm in our lives where we have time with God, time with people. It's a back and forth. It's a rhythm that we need to find. It's a balance. And there's a couple of dangers um, in trying to find that balance is either being having constant activity or too much time of withdrawal. So it's just things we need to balance because if we have too much activity, we're not going to get the strength we need from God because that strength comes from being alone with him. That's how we get that strength. So we can't have so much constant activity that we never draw strength from him. And then if we have too much withdrawal, it kind of leads to, you know, if you're avoiding people or not going into action because you're too still. So that's not a problem that most people deal with, but you can, you know, be on either side of the spectrum. So we need to just make sure we're balancing those. It's interesting in that story, the apostles were sent out, then they come and they are reporting to Jesus and he's like, okay, you need a rest time. And they're going to get a rest time, but when they get to their side of the sea, there's people there, so they go right back to work. And it's important that you get your rest. And, and Jesus was trying to give them a rhythm, rhythm, but the people and the demands pressed in. And sometimes you don't get that rest, but it's important to do it. Now, there's a couple of areas that we need to get some margin, and there's areas that are affected. And there's a book that I read recently, Margin, by Dr. Richard Swenson. And uh, he said there's five environments that affect us. There's two that we do really good with, and there's three that we're suffering in. So let me explain them. He said the first area is the physical environment. A lot of us with our wealth, our technology, and our health, in our physical environment, we're doing good in that area. We're actually overachieving, if you will. Then there's the cognitive environment, which is our knowledge, our info, and our education. And again, how many know that our society values education, they value knowledge and, and degrees. And so that's an area where, again, our society is excelling. And it seems like if there's a problem, they're always like, well, we need to educate more. We need to educate more. But he said, there's three areas where most of our pain and suffering come from. And those are the three areas that are so important that the Bible really addresses that we neglect. That's our social environment. You were meant to spend time with your family, your friends, and in the local church. And yet so many of us, we say no to that because we want to advance in our physical environment and in our education and our thinking. And so we say no to our family as we chase after other stuff. We say no to the church as we chase after other stuff. And it affects our social environment. He said there's our emotional world where our feelings and our attitudes, again, we're chasing after all those other things so we don't get the rest that we need so that we're emotionally balanced. And because of that, we're unbalanced. Then we have our spiritual environment, and that's the eternal and the things of God. And again, how many know that if, if, you're, if you're physically sick, your body sends you signals, and it says, you're sick, slow down. If you don't have a degree, it's like, okay, you have to achieve. There's a marker there that says, get this, and then you'll achieve it. There are certain things, but how many know there's no monitor or meter with your family? How many know there's no monitor or meter with your emotions until all of a sudden things snap? How many know with your spiritual life, like, we're probably thankful that we don't walk in with gauges that say spiritually dry and empty, you know? 
did no devotions this week. You know, I mean, we're glad that that's not there. But we, those three areas are so neglected, and yet society holds these other two up. And the more we hold these other two up, the more the others are neglected and the more problems we have. And I know this is really current and fresh, but the Aurora shooting. Let's just talk about that for a minute. This guy goes into the movie theater in Aurora, a suburb of Denver, and goes in there. Now, this guy looked physically fit. He didn't need to, you didn't say like, well, he didn't look good in his physical things. And the guy had plenty of possessions, so his physical world was well taken care of. You say, well, what about his cognitive? Did he need to be educated more so he wouldn't go and shoot and go on this rampage, this terrible thing that he did? No, the guy is in like a neurobiologist. He's a PhD student. I mean, so he's excelling in the two areas that the world says, having stuff, having your physical environment taken care of, having the education. But when you look at his emotional, when you look at his social, when you look at his spiritual, you see that the guy was going to sex websites and had some issues emotionally and socially. You saw that he was a loner. You saw that his faith is not evident there. And you say the areas that he really needed help in is the area where the church needs to be crying, hey, take time for God. Take time for God. Now, society will say, oh, oh yeah, uh, educate more. More rules, more laws, educate. Um, take care of the needs. Maybe he was deprived. And I'm telling you, the answer is in taking time for God. We have neglected the things that are important and we're suffering because of it as a society. And when the church will lead the way and say, we have time for God, things will change. Things will change. And it's time for us to slow down. It's time for us to slow down. And, and we're not the only ones. Ever since the sundial was invented, I found this in studying, when the sundial was invented, one Roman playwright in 200 BC said this, who in this place set up a sundial to cut and hack my days so wretchedly into small portions? <laughs> I mean, imagine what he'd think of an iPhone today, you know? So with the time that we've been given, there's a few things that we can do. Um, first of all, we need to just take time and evaluate our life. We need to set that time apart for just reflection on our life. And if you want your life to be significant in some way, it's important that you do that. Because if you're just busy and keep going throughout your life, you're not going to take time to set those maybe just goals or um, what you want to do for the Lord. Um, we have to actually turn the TV off sometimes, turn, turn off the noise around us. Um, I know... If I'm home by myself, a lot of times I'll, I like to just turn things off so it's just quiet. And then I have that time where I can pray or, you know, whatever. Even if you're doing other things, you can still pray during that time if there's just not all that constant noise always going on. Um, we also need to take time out with our family. It's so important. Um, I know I love Saturdays around our house because usually we're all home and we all kind of wake up whenever we wake up and we might have pancakes and waffles and it's just a fun time knowing that we're all going to be together and it's just a time of connection during the week. Um, it's just important to give your kids something to look forward to. Right. I know um, we've done that a lot where we'll, like at least once a quarter we'll have something like, you know, it could be small or it could be big. Maybe it's a trip. Maybe it's just a small thing, but something for them to look forward to and know. I know I'm going to have mom and dad during that time. It's really important for them. And Dr. Dobson had a great quote talking about spending time with your family. And he said that crowded lives produce fatigue. Fatigue produces irritability. Irritability produces indifference. And indifference can be interpreted by your child as a lack of genuine affection. 
So it's so important that we are there and spending that time with them. Um, we also need time with our friends. That's an important thing is to share time with your friends. And um, I think for some people, it can get kind of out of hand where you're spending way too much time with your friends. But again, it's, it's that balance of spending time, you know, reflecting on your own needs, looking to your family, having friend time. And then the most important thing of all is having that God time. It's true. Just setting that um, time away. I know last week we talked about the verse, be still and know that I am God. But it's so important to have that time. And I know for me, it's, it's in the morning. I'm a morning person. So I like to get up and go down. I have my Bible and my soap journal on my chair in my kitchen. So I'll get my breakfast and sit down. And it's just a routine for me. And it's something, you know, we have to prioritize that. Because if you just start going throughout your day, you're never going to get it done unless you set aside that, that special time. So A couple of things we've done is we've tried to schedule our lives to only 80% full now trying to leave some margin in there because we're so busy, we can't even o obey the Sermon on the Mount. We can't even walk the second mile with somebody because we're so busy. So we're trying to build some margin in there. Another thing that Becca does, uh, she meets with my assistant, Danette, and every month they put the important things in the calendar first. And they put the things in there for family and things that need to be there. And I've learned that people won't argue with your calendar when it's already filled. You know, if you say, what do you got Tuesday night? And you go, oh, I've got a, a meeting already Tuesday night. Now, they don't ever say, with who? I mean, you, you know, they, you don't have to volunteer. It's a meeting with my family. But, you know, you put it in there first, and then that takes precedent. They'll go, what about Wednesday? What about, and they'll just move on. But if you say, oh, well, I was trying to keep that free for family time, they'll be like, well, just squeeze it in there. So you just put those things important, you know, right away at the beginning. Another thing is if you're going to slow down, you're going to restore your emotional energy. You, can, you need to cultivate your support system, church, friends. Um, you need to reconcile relationships. Some of you can't enjoy a day of rest because you have ought against a brother or sister in Christ. And when you take a day to slow down, here's what happens. The Holy Spirit says, you ought to reconcile with that person. You're like, oh, I need to get busy. I need to take, uh, get some action going so I don't hear that still small voice convicting me, you know? And, and the Bible says this in Matthew 5. It says, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. If you will reconcile your relationships, you will enjoy your Sabbath day more. For some, you will enjoy your Sabbath by serving more, um, especially men. Men, we need to serve. Do you realize your, your odds of dying increase significantly if you are not serving and doing good, if you are just achieving and you're not serving? So guys, we need you out in front clapping and greeting people when they're coming in. We're helping you live longer, okay? <laughs> the kids That's ministry, we're helping you live longer. Um, all the different things, stage and tech team, when you're serving. Another thing is rest. When you rest, the, you're actually um, recharging. And some of you need to sleep and rest and eat better. And real quickly, um, when God was speaking to Elijah, Elijah was depressed Elijah said, enough of this, God, take my life. I'm ready to join my ancestors in the grave. Exhausted, he fell asleep under uh, the lone broom bush. Suddenly, an angel shook him awake and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and to his surprise, right by his head, were a loaf of bread baked on some coals and a jug of water. He ate the meal and went back to sleep. The angel of God came back, shook him awake again, and said, get up and eat some more. You've got a long journey ahead of you. So he got up, ate, drank his fill, and he set out. 
See, there's a principle there again. Sometimes we think we're spiritual by not sleeping, by not getting the rest, by not eating, and we wear it as a badge of honor. And I think God put that story in there for us to realize you were made to eat and sleep and rest, and that can be a spiritual thing. Some of you need to offer thanks to God. And as you offer thanks to God, you'll enjoy your Sabbath and your rest. And some of you need to love more and get out and just love people and love the least of these and you will enjoy the rest. Take time to slow down to love. As we slow down, there's just, here's just a few little spiritual helps to help your body and soul put it in park and slow down. And one thing you can do is just throughout your day is just take little minute retreats. Just call it like a minute retreat. And set your watch or your iPhone if you have to. And just remind you to stop for a minute and just thank God. You know, look around, maybe look at nature. Just breathe up a quick prayer, but just take a minute. It'll really help you um, just refocus just by that one minute. Um, also do your, you know, have your daily time with him with doing your devotions. Uh, maybe get away, uh, if you can, go to a park, maybe on your lunch hour. Maybe get away to a cabin if you can. Um, I know another great way for us women that we have coming up is the Sparkle Conference. And that is a great... I told her she could <clears throat> put that in there. Thank you. No, but it's a great way for you. It's a Friday it's a night retreat. and Saturday. It's a, it is. And you can come with your girlfriends, but it's a way to get recharged and refreshed and challenged and inspired and have a great time, but you're actually setting aside that time for God. So it's not just, oh, another thing to do, oh, a conference to go to. No, God is going to meet you there, and he's going to speak to you, and it's going to be an amazing time, so you don't want to miss it. See, now I made Sign up, up for, for Sparkle today. having her preach three times. Um, one more thing on this suggestion for you, a global team. When you go on a global team, you break out of your normal, and it's almost like you give a seven or ten day Sabbath, if you will. It's a rest. It's a pause from your go, 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 do, 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 and it's become, and even though you work, it's a different type of work for the Lord, and it's time to get away, and there's devotion time in there, and I encourage you to do this. It's, it's, it's a rest time for you. And I'm praying we'll take the Sabbath and we can lead the way in just resting in the Lord and taking time to put the margin back in our life so we can obey what God's told us to do. We need to rest not just because we get tired, not just because we need to refocus, not just because we forget the important things. We need to rest so we can reflect on God and realize we were created to be in a relationship with God. That's what you were created for. You were created to be in a relationship with him. It's not about do, do, do. It's about be in a relationship with God. So take the time to get the rest that you need so you can have that rest with God. Not just pulling away, but saying, I do this for you, with you, because I love you and I want to know you more. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us all as we struggle in this balance. Uh, we are so driven. We are so achievement-oriented. Society all around us says, go, 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 push, push, push. And yet you say, slow down, spend time with me. There's things that are more important than things. There's things that are more important than education. There's things that are more important than achievements. It's the things that really matter in life. And so God, I pray that we'd spend time with you, spend time with our family, and we'd spend time resting and putting the pause in our life that is needed. Speak to us, Lord. Help us to put the pause in our life that is needed so we can make a difference for you in a world that's so busy that they're missing you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.